Hey, you found us. It's the Unwritten Rules of Sports. I'm Ben Glixman with my tag team partner, Matt Story. Uh, <laughs> apparently, the, the world is continuing to operate uh, in one way, and Tony LaRusa is continuing to operate in another way. Um, yeah. I, I'd like to set the stage for this discussion, which, we're, look, we record once a week. Crazy things yes. happen in the middle of the week. Sometimes we have time for an emergency podcast. Sometimes we don't. And sometimes right, right. we need extra days to think and figure out how we're feeling. Right, right. Tony LaRusa, a septuagenarian manager of the Chicago White Sox, um, when, when he got hired, everyone said, it's crazy because he's got such a young, fun team, uh-huh. and he's such an old unfun man and and the white Sox and jerry reinsdorf who's an octogenarian who probably should yeah. own the team anyway but yeah. uh, said no no he'll be fine he'll be great his players will get along with him he understands the modern ball player in the sense of you know i guess modern being from after jackie robinson started playing <laughs> yeah yeah, um, yeah. But the White Sox, who lead the AL Central, were playing a beleaguered Minnesota Twins team. And a rather disappointing Twins team on a on a you know unrelated note. Kind of, they've been pretty bad so far. The, tw- the Twins, who are like ten games under five hundred or so, I believe. Yeah, and came into the year with some expectation based on the last couple years. Yeah, so. They're they're in the midst of this series with the with the twins, yeah. And the White Sox are just bludgeoning them. All right, it's uh, let, let me see. What do you remember offhand? Was it, it was thirteen to four? Fifteen to four. Fifteen to four. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the twins with five pitchers still remaining in their bullpen turned instead to backup catcher El Tortuga. Williams Astudio, yeah, who went and fell behind three and zero to your mean Mercedes. Now your mean Mercedes is the DH slash backup catcher. Uh, he's twenty eight years old. He's still pre arbitration. This is a guy yeah. who's having just a crazy breakout year. He's hitting over three sixty. Yeah, uh, he's got six homers, but he's a guy who still needs to. Oh geez, the dogs are going nuts, but that's fine. They're mad. They're mad as I'm mad. He's he's still a guy whose stats matter, and whose contract yeah. is going to be looked at. So he's facing Astudio. Astudio throws him a 45 mile an hour fastball yeah. or something. Yeah. And he parks it on a 3-0 count, homers, and Tony Larusa goes ballistic. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't back Mercedes at all. Uh, in fact, he said, you know, that what he did was uncalled for. He ignored a take sign. Uh, it was all inappropriate to him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, you know, he was okay with the Twins throwing at Mercedes the next game. The next night, yeah, which that to me was even more... You know, interesting. Just because, like you said, he didn't he didn't back him. You know, the first night was just a you know public tongue lashing, which I didn't like either. But well, then, and and you know, Lance Lynn, did not back him Lance Lynn, time. a veteran from you know many an unwritten rule right. team, right? Uh, was like what Larusa did is wrong, and you know they put this guy and, out there. He's a major leaguer. Right. It, and basically, didn't wasn't Lance Lynn the one who said, you know, hey, if you if you put a position player into pitch, then then all bets are off. Yeah. Which I kind of agree with. Now, I, I would. I mean, here's the thing: if you put a regular pitcher into pitch, you know, I, I still think you play the game. Yeah. Um, well, but, and, you and, know, like well, they're making a mockery of the game by putting in a backup catcher to pitch. So, so this notion of like we got to respect the game, like, eh, I mean, the other team not. So, you know, like I don't. That doesn't make sense to me either. Well, if we want to just say that you can forfeit, then then let's just say that because yeah. you know they put you know 
I guess the idea is we were up so much the twins had stopped trying. Right, right. So then let's spring just spring trading rules. Yeah. Yeah. So then I mean, let's that's what just, they did in spring this year. Yeah. Just let's just allow you agreement. to stop. <laughs> yep. But, yep. But, I mean, you know, the twins yeah. still were going to hit again. Right. So, right. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, so I'll say this. You know, you gave the the whole uh, backstory of Larusa, and, and I, I mean, I agreed with you completely. And and I was watching PTI yesterday, and Frank Isola was on for for Kornheiser, and he, you know, he said like. You, you, you don't hire Tony La Russa and then get surprised when Tony La Russa does these things. Like, and, and that's a good point. Like, this is, uh, this is what you ask for when you bring in an old-school guy like him. Um, and we should not be surprised at all. You know, the, the key, I guess, will be is there, is there enough friction from this to make it matter? Well, because we've seen baseball teams before that do not get along, players, players and managers, whatever, and they're still successful. So that's the key. Uh, like, is this going to submarine them, or is this just going to be like one of those, hey, the, the players uh, may not like him, but who cares? They still go out and win. So far, they're still going out and winning. Um, but if this stuff continues, that'll be the, the fascinating part. Yeah. I think the question becomes, are they, you know, uh, as a team, you know, is this the Herman Boone, Herb Brooks movie yeah. coach mentality of, yeah, fine, they can all hate me if that's what bonds them. Sure, you know, sure. Or is this just, you know, the quote he had about Lynn, he has a locker, I have an office. Right, like, right. It, doesn't that just end it as a team? Don't, you know, don't you just say, yeah. you know, he's not doing anything to help us win? You right, know, that we right. can't just figure out on our own or with a bench coach. I agree. I agree. But, you, you know, you, you discussed Reinsdorf. And, I mean, Reinsdorf is the reason that he's there. Because, you know, the story goes, I guess, and I, I hadn't really heard this, but I don't follow the White Sox super close. But that, you know, Reinsdorf never, <laughs> never forgave himself for firing him the first time around. Yeah. yeah. And and feels like he, you know, had to, had to make this up to himself, I guess. Um, it was a, it was a very head scratching hire. Uh, and, and this just, you know, validates that, that it, that it was head scratching. Now that doesn't mean it won't work. Well, I should, I should correct myself. Like, I'm not sure them winning the division or, or going to the playoffs or even making noise in the playoffs means it worked. I don't, I don't honestly know how important a manager is in baseball anymore. And that's a different discussion I know, but you know, I'm not sure. Like, so much is dictated by analytics and stuff like that. That, you know, is is Tony La Russa really making a lot of decisions? I'm not sure that he is, and and I don't, I don't know. I mean, well, the other piece is you've got this young, fun team. You've got Tim right. Anderson, who's right. you know everyone thought he'd be the the cause of the friction, but which that, of course he he had a tweet about it. That, you yeah. know, basically took the took the guy's side, and you know, keep keep doing you or however he worded it. So. Yeah, you know, he he threw his name in there. Yeah, yeah. But you've got you know a team with Anderson, Nick Madrigal, Yon Mancada. Yeah. It, there's a bunch of young guys on yeah. this team, and, and one of the questions was, would he be able to relate to them? And I think the answer is a resounding no. No, I <laughs> I agree. And, and and again, should not be surprising at all. I mean, Larusa La joked with you before. I I do believe that Larusa thinks baseball is him and that he is baseball. Um, I, you know, I think he, uh, he's got a very, very, very high opinion of himself and look, he's had a lot of success. I'm not saying it's totally unwarranted, but I, I think he, he, find, he, you know, we joked about Brian McCann for years being the keeper of the game because of his mm-hmm. antics with, you know, no celebrating. I think LaRusha does absolutely believe he's a keeper of the game. I think if you said that to him, he'd take it as a compliment, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like, I don't think he finds it to be a derisive comment at all. And, and that's the that's the problem in this, you know. I, I mean, I guess just for a while, I think we're going to be in this sort of culture war with baseball, and maybe it'll eventually, you know, the young generation will take over enough that it goes away. But we're not there yet. Of this, you know, young players want to have fun, want to sell, want to you know bat flip, want to swing on three zero, let the kids play, all that stuff. And the old guys like him believe that baseball's got to be like you know like, you know, a, a religious ceremony and that you've got to, you know, follow all the, the, 
the staples of what to do in order to quote unquote respect the game. And it's just, uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure which side wins out. I think the younger guys will eventually, but mm-hmm. I'm not sure, I guess. Yeah. Well, I, I just, your thing about let the kids play. If this was your, mar- yeah, if this was your marketing campaign and this is yeah. who you're backing and, and how you want to be perceived, Look, I'm as a I'm a traditionalist when it comes to the rules of the game. I don't sure. I don't like a runner at second base in extra innings. Yeah. I, I, I don't particularly love the seven inning doubleheader. Um, yeah. But guys swinging three and zero is not a fu- a change to a fundamental tenant of the game. No, that's true. It's not. It, you know, it's not. You've never been barred from swinging three zero. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just- it's this unwritten rule, as you as you said when we first you know started out here today, and it's uh, there's just so many. I mean, baseball more than any other sport, at least of the team sports, it loves to wrap itself in the unwritten rules. Um, you don't see that as much with with basketball or with football. I mean, there's sometimes you hear some belly aching about you know a team up by you know six touchdowns and and they're still throwing in the fourth quarter or. Or, a, you know, a guy going down and dunking or when, when, you know, you're up by 30 points or whatever. But not as much, you know. I mean, and and baseball has all these, you know, where you, you can't celebrate a home run too much. You can't flip the bat except in certain circumstances. You can't do that. And it's just, again, when you're trying, and you and I have discussed this a lot, you know, different aspects of it. You're trying to appeal to a younger fan base that is tuning you out. Stuff like this just doesn't do it. Yeah. And and I get there is some value to Major League Baseball in that, you know, we were right at the precipice of the NBA playoffs and the NHL playoffs, and, and we sure. talked about this. Sure, um, sure. And, and, and I mean, like, the royal we, ESPN, right. talked about it. and things. Right. But It got coverage, yeah. yeah but it's right. like, do you, you know, there was a, a woman in Wisconsin who is a lawyer who uh, – like spit on a high school student at a protest that the high school student was protesting something. And yeah. it's like, well, we're talking about her. She's on yeah. TV. Is I mean, that, is that true. good though? <laughs> it's that Terrell Owens. Uh, you know, I always go back to him um, or Terrell Owens. I should say, sorry, I, I got his name wrong. Um, you know, like if bad publicity is better than no publicity. And I believe that was his mentality was, Hey, I, I want, I want my name in your mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't care for what. Might I don't think that's I good for baseball. I, you know. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> I agree. I, I mean, I don't think it is either. I just, I don't know. I, I, I don't think it was a good thing. I don't think what happened was a good thing. Uh, the way Larusa handled it, I, I think, don't and I yeah. think doubling down was dumb. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I, I mean, I did enjoy the, uh, you know, the, the barrage of tweets that were sent, you know, about him, about how he's, you know, he's more concerned about the unwritten rules of baseball than the rules of the road with his with his DUI and, you know, yeah. using, using you know, I'm a, I'm a World Series winner, you know, to try to get out of a DUI down here last, last winter or whatever it was, like, you know, he respects the game so much that he uses his baseball success to try to get himself out of a DUI. Like, yeah. I saw maybe, somebody somebody yeah. tweeted, it's not the first time he's had an unfortunate <laughs> run-in with a Mercedes. <laughs> I uh, saw that too. Yeah, yeah, that, that made me laugh. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't like him. And you know that. Uh, you know, I mean, and Adam, I, I don't think you're a big fan. No. Um, so, it, admittedly, we, we come into it with a bias. But I just, yeah, I, I agree with you, like, Yes, it got baseball talked about. Yes, PTI yesterday, one of the first three stories, you know, along with the Lakers and the Warriors and Jason Tatum scoring 50 points was about baseball. And it might not have been otherwise, but God, it's one of those, like, if you're trying to get your kids into baseball or young fans in their 20s, yeah. like, that stuff does not appeal to them. Yeah, and, well, this is, it's, the, it's wedding crashers instead of Terrell Owens. It's draw attention yeah. to yourself, but do it on your own terms. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. I mean, I like. I don't think all news is good news, and and yeah. I mean, it, that's it. That's an interesting thought because if if he doesn't say that, are we talking about that White Sox game at all? Absolutely not. You and I, 
HEI, you know, first take, whatever, are not talking about it. It's just another game on the calendar. But yeah, I don't, I don't think that's really, you know, what what baseball needs is, you know, okay, we're talking about Shohei Otani, mm-hmm. and what a great story he is so far this year, leading the league in home runs and and pitching really well. Like that's that's cool. They need more of that. They need more, you know, stars where you think like, wow, I gotta, I gotta see that guy. Hey, when he comes to town, I want to see him play. Um, and of course, baseball shoots itself in the foot a bit with him by, you know, this DH, no DH, yes DH. You know, like they're coming to Arizona in June, but unless he pitches, I'm not sure he'll play. Yeah. That's neither here nor there. But it, you know, I mean, that's just an example of like a, uh, you know, they need more of that. And less of this consternation about what you're allowed to do within the rules, but not really within the rules, uh, because uh, you know three zero, you should just stand up there and I guess let a pitch come. But if it was three one, would have been would have been okay to swing on that. I, I mean, those are the things that like it's ex- you get just exhausted even going down that road. Yeah. Um. I think we've belabored this point enough. Um, Probably. I mean, we're on the same page. We, yeah. we haven't established any new ground, but I, I still thought it was... It's worth. It's important to talk about, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd like to transition to talking about ASU. Uh, we're going to talk about ASU football, and we're going to talk about ASU basketball. Um, let's start with football. Doug Hallers put out um, his top 25 offensive players and defensive players. Um Really interesting insights, and then there was the athletic, uh, the recruiter guy whose name I'm blanking on. Wasserman. Yeah, did that mailbag yeah. uh, right. where he he said that you know ASU does a good job in California, but and I pulled this out because I wanted to quote it. Yeah. Quote: Arizona State has been an epic failure with in-state talent. <laughs> the amount of talent well, is increasing every year that. as the population continues to shift towards Phoenix. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that sounds right. I mean, he's right. And he I think he was the one who wrote the story a couple of years ago about Bijan and how Arizona showed him no interest, um, even though he was, you know, five minutes away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so he's I mean, I think he's I think he's from Arizona. One, yeah, uh, he, he said that he said that he's Phoenix. He's from Phoenix. He went to the U of A. So he's got, you know, some some Arizona ties. And, you know, that's a point you, I think we discussed this a, a few weeks back or months back, whatever, um, with the recruiting, like the recruiting has been better with, we think, I mean, the numbers say that and hopefully the results follow, but the Arizona in-state recruiting has not been very good. And mm-hmm. it, it, it is a little, you know, it's a little mystifying because the, the talent here in Arizona is getting better. Um, it's not California or Texas or Florida, and it probably never will be. But I think it's it's fast becoming one of those you know second tier states that you can. I mean, on the West Coast, I would I would venture. I don't I don't know if the numbers back me up, but if you take you know west of of Texas, I mean, is aside from California, is there a state that produces better you know more Division One players than Arizona? I don't think I, so. I mean, I don't think so. Colorado, not uh, you Washington, usually. Get, I mean, Oregon, I think I mean, the the thing is, you get maybe a couple, two or three guys a year who are D one guys in those other yeah. places. Right, Arizona, you get three or four top three hundred recruits. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, or top one hundred recruits, and then another dozen who can play D one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're seeing, you got schools like Saguaro and Chandler and Hamilton and, and, you know, South Point Point to a slightly lesser extent, but yeah, you know, but South Point, you know, they've got three guys and they had the, that last one, that kid who was the transfer Miller. Right. 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 Yeah. So, I mean, there, there has been an increase there, but yeah, I mean, Saguaro sending, you know, five, six kids to D one every year. And, and that's not, I mean, okay, it's it's not at the level of a of a California or Texas power, and I again, I, I know that, but there are good players right here, and and uh, yeah, I mean, I I agree with the guy that we have not done well at that, and I don't I don't know how that gets fixed. Um, it, it doesn't get fixed quickly, you know. You don't just snap your fingers and say okay, but how it gets fixed? I mean, I think the quickest route is you start winning. You have the year 
that we expect to have this year, the year we've already discussed a lot, our expectations and, and will again. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you put yourself more on the radar of, of a kid who's a sophomore or junior this year. And they think, man, ASU can compete at the highest level. I want to go there. And then you hopefully land them. Well, and the other piece is, and I think this is borne out by the Doug Haller rankings, which is, you know, the thing that I started this as saying I wanted yeah, to talk to you yeah. about, sure. is the footprint has become national, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, a credit obviously to Herm and Antonio Pierce and now the younger guys, Brenneman and, and Gill, Gill and yeah. Hawkins. Right. But, right. you know, this incoming class is two guys who are in their, you know, four-star to five-star range from Florida. You know, right. that was the right. first two non-kicker recruits who we landed. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. That's true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that that is notable. And, I mean, I, I guess the – and I think this is a point we talked about. Like, if, if you can recruit – and they really value California, obviously. I mean, you, you know, yeah, we got the two from Florida. But California has been a big emphasis of this staff. And they've done pretty well. And if you can recruit well enough to win at a fairly high level – then it probably doesn't matter where the players come from. I mean, you know, when we when we look back at James Harden, is James Harden less important to us because he's not an Arizona kid? No. no. You no, know, no. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't matter. But you have to win at a high level for that to be the case. You have to have really good players. Mm-hmm. If you're just sort of above average, it appeals to people more when you're getting the kids from Saguaro and well, and that's like and why people still love DJ Foster and and yes. why Nikhil yes. Harry, even though they're pro numbers, Ayuk has eclipsed him. People still yes. point to Harry first. Sure, sure, because they, you know, I mean, not that not that Arizona high school football is at the level of a Texas. It's not. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't arouse the community support that that you do see there or something. But you have people who. Their kids go to that school. Maybe they play football. Maybe they don't. Maybe their kid's a cheerleader. Maybe their kid, you know, is, is in the band, whatever. And they go see those games and they see this kid. And then, you know, hey, you can appeal to them like, hey, uh, you know, come out and see ASU because DJ Foster's there. Oh, I remember when he was a sophomore and, and you know, just making his debut on varsity. And is that a ton of people? No. But every, every butt in the seat counts. You know, and, and every every person that you can say, oh, you know, it's a Saturday night in September, it's hot, but man, I, I want to go see ASU. That's how you build support for a program, little by little. Well, and the other piece of that is, you know, you build this support, but it also, you know, when you see people who do it, then you're inclined to do it. Uh, you know, yeah. I... Obviously, we're not privy to how the recruiting breaks down and, and who's sure. in charge of what, but I thought when they brought in Iguano, it was yeah. a sign that we were going to just start... Do, I thought he was going to do what Pierce did in California, where it was, yeah. first, he knows everybody, and then, after those kids are gone, he knows at least all the other coaches. Right, right. And, and you, you, you know... I mean, Chandler's one of the best programs in the state over the last five or so years. Uh, I mean, and I, I okay, we got Nikhil Harry, but that was before Guano. Mm-hmm. Am, am I wrong? Have we have we landed a Chandler player since Herm Edwards got here? I don't believe I don't, so. I don't remember one. Yeah, we got one. I mean, from, Chase Lucas, we got a I believe, from there, but that and, uh, predates him. Yeah. Well, I was just saying the guys we've gotten. We've gotten someone from Queen Creek. We've gotten right. people from Higley, but we haven't gotten people from. Yeah. Chandler, we haven't got right. any. We have, there's there are powerhouse schools, yeah. And what we seem to be doing is getting the the second or third. What we're getting is Ty Abbott. That we're getting yeah. Ty Abbott in Jared Bayless yeah. years. Yeah, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I mean, I, I I do understand. We've you know this is a point we've discussed for years that it is tough if you're let's use B. John Robinson was recruited by Texas and Ohio State and I mean it is it's tough to beat out those schools I I, I 100% but you, you need to so you know you say the Ty Abbott and I agree with you if we got more of the Ty Abbots I think that would go a ways not just one I mean this last class we only had one kid from Arizona right yeah the one that we just signed um 
you know, like that's the thing. So, okay, maybe, maybe you don't get Spencer Rattler because he's got an offer from Oklahoma. All right. But Brock Purdy. But yeah, Brock Purdy or Spencer Rattler's teammates who maybe aren't as high profile, but they're good players. Maybe there's one or two, you know, really good players that we could have had. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't study Arizona recruiting, you know, obviously intensely. So I can't, I can't go on and say, here's 15 guys we could have had and we didn't get them. But it just feels like that is an area we're, we're missing now, you know, and we should, we should discuss the player rankings because looking at those player rankings, I don't think this team lacks for talent. And, and I don't think it lacks for future talent. I mean, you, when you look at the, the bottom half of those rankings, guys that he called out who, you know, may not play a big role this year, but should in the near future, you know, we are recruiting well. So, so then you ask yourself, does it, does it matter that much? And I don't know the answer. Yeah. And, I mean, I, I just don't know the answer. On, on the defensive side of the ball, and, and I think Hawkins and Gill have been as key to this in the last two years as uh, as Pierce has been. The secondary has yeah. just been guy after guy. It, it you know, two years ago it was the receiving core, but right. the last recruiting cycle and the current recruiting cycle, it's cornerbacks. Yeah, and they're still yeah, getting are, a receiver. Um, they are. They but, are. Yeah, you know, but but it's so different than where we were with at the end under Todd Graham. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where we just got to the point where it felt like we had we had nothing back there. Um, you know, we were we were starting guys who shouldn't be starting, and and the depth was not there at all. Well, we and, were just begging yeah. for any ju- like it was a plug yes. and play of whoever the best JUCO guy we got was starting at corner. Right, right. You know, so that that yeah, I mean, I. I read that defensive ranking in particular. I mean, I read the offensive one too, but the, the defensive one, you know, the guys from like 15 on down, don't know if we'll see a lot of them this year, which is great because we got a very veteran defense, everybody back from last year's starting lineup and et cetera. But it was like, okay, you know, these are, first of all, these are guys I've, I've heard of um, that were touted recruits. And it's like, there's, there's some good stuff in the pipeline. Yeah. Well, so let's, all this back, we're gonna lose a ton from this year's roster. You know, yeah, like after I, this it, season. Well, it feels it's like it's be a lot of attrition. It feels like it's all freshmen and seniors. But when you go through yeah. the the first four are seniors, but five Tommy Hill freshmen, seven Isaiah yeah. Johnson freshmen, uh, eleven Eric Gentry, the ginormous right. linebacker, linebacker freshman. Right. Right. You know. All the other guys between one and eleven, you're either a freshman or a senior. It's it's not until you get to Kyle Soelli at twelve that you get someone who's not a freshman or a senior. Right, right. So you're gonna lose some some key guys, obviously, but you feel like there's there's pretty good depth there. And I mean that that also could very well come into play this year because, you know, okay, we've got the whole starting lineup back. The odds that, that those starting eleven all make it through the season healthy. They're not great. You know, it's just, that's football. You're going to have guys get hurt and, you know, things go wrong and Jack Jones could get suspended again and things like that. So having the depth that it feels like we're developing and the same with the offensive line, because they've really called that out, is huge because that's been the problem. I mean, you look back on some of the ASU teams of the past and it felt like, boy, if we could have stayed healthy. Well, you're never going to stay fully healthy in a Mm -hmm. football season. And and the depth wasn't there. Like man, one guy got hurt, and everything just went to crap because well, like, you, know, you know we didn't have the depth. Well, with the, you know you brought up the Graham teams and and the the thinness. I remember it immediately yeah. triggered Laiumokiola. It was like yes. well, the defense didn't even know where to line up if he wasn't on the field. Right. That's and if good, he was on the field, they were pretty yeah. good. <laughs> you know. Yes. 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 But you're it, right. That is a. A very good callback. I, I wouldn't have thought of him off the top of my head, but you're right. Felt like when he went out, which he did a lot, and unfortunately mm-hmm. I think he was a little undersized and a little fragile. Um, we were lost. Uh, like you, you can't be that dependent on one guy. Yeah, and that's the that's what I I think that's what it feels like we're building because yeah, like you said, when you get down, you know, past 15 on this list, you've got Markham. Kiwan Markham, uh, who's a right. junior, Caleb McCullough, redshirt freshman, Jordan Clark, sophomore, Michael Mattis, junior, Jordan Banks, sophomore, Garen Stansberry, freshman, Ed Woods, redshirt freshman, Stephen Wright, sophomore, and then 
to Marcus Davis as a senior, yeah. and then J- Jaden Williams, freshman. Right. So it's just right. all guys who, you know, are top 25 and, and not probably going to start. Yeah, yeah, which is, you know, that, like, I, I mean, it seemed like uh, as I'm going through this, there were several guys that he mentioned, and he did it on offense too, like, you know, might not see much of them this year, but they should be a big factor in 22 and beyond. And that's, you know, obviously the nature of this year's weirdness, having so much back when you don't normally get that. Um, but, you know, then you, you don't – what you don't want, we've, we've talked about this too, is like, okay, hopefully we do have a really good year this year. We hope so. You don't want it to be a one-year fluke. Like, oh, we won 10 games. We went to a big-time bowl. Maybe we went to the Rose Bowl or something. And, up, uh, well, back to 6-6 six six the next year. You want to be able to say, like, I'm not saying we're going to win 11-plus games every year. Very few programs are lucky enough to do that. But you want to feel like, all right, well, we still got a lot in place. And I think we should. I mean, based on what I've seen here and what you read, it's like it shouldn't feel like disaster that all these guys will be moving on. Yeah. The flip side for me is on offense, the, from how they've talked, it kind of does feel like it could be a disaster after this year. Because if everyone lives up to the hype, looking at Haller's rankings, Daniels will be gone. West will be gone. Deesh will be gone. White will be gone. Yeah. You know, Trainum's only a sophomore. He has to be back. Right, right. Um, You know, and then it's like, is Finn Collins ready? How about the, the second string offensive line? Right, yeah. right. I mean, the quarterback is a spot that obviously you feel like, are we are we equipped? Daniels has the year we hope, and he goes pro. Are we equipped on the roster we have now? Doesn't feel like it. However, the transfer portal is a, is a magical thing. And with immediate eligibility, there will be probably dozens of quarterbacks out there who either, you know, they're, getting, they're, they're not getting the playing time they want, there's a new coach, whatever it is. So it, that feels more fixable than it used to, I guess is what I would say. Yeah. Because it's like you don't have to look just at your own roster and say, well, gosh, we have Ben Collins and Macklemore and or either of these. Because if they're not, you can just go get somebody else. Well, and our starting DH is, you know, in theory, going to come back and play in the quarterback room, maybe, uh, with Ethan Long. Oh, Ethan Long? Yeah, true, <laughs> true, true. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, maybe so. Who knows? I, his his career has been a fascinating one. He was like talk of the town as a freshman, and then last year, like you, you almost thought, like, is he still on the roster? I mean, I know last year we didn't play many games, but still, like, you never heard his name, um, and he's kind of been forgotten now. Maybe he can, you know, recapture that magic. I don't know. Well, but, he's doing uh, it on the baseball field where he's like leading he the country in slugging. He is. He is. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, I, you know. Honestly, when you said that, I'm like, starting DH, who are you talking about? We, did we switch sports? And I didn't know it. But okay, I know where you're going now. Yeah. Um, you know, but, but I think, uh, I mean, I, I think that it is, you know, it's Finn Collins and Borget, and then yeah, somebody. Macklemore kid kind of feels like he's forgotten. Yeah, he, he's yeah, it feels like he's a he's a career backup, which is fine. No, you no, need no a guy on the roster to do that. You do, you know, you and, do, and you if know. you stick around long enough, who was the guy at Georgia who got like one year in the middle? Joe Cox. Of, yes. Yes. In the yes, middle of a run Stafford. of like NFL caliber quarterbacks. Yeah. yeah. Stafford went pro a year early and, and Aaron Murray came the next year, but yeah, Joe Cox had his one year as the starter. Yeah. Yeah. So you're right. I mean, there's, there's a possibility there, but really, I mean, I, like you don't know the names yet, obviously, but you look at this year, there was, you know, we didn't need it, but there were probably 10, 15, maybe 20 guys that were starting caliber guys that were in the transfer portal. And there's likely to be more next year. Because of you know the the, yeah. the immediate eligibility, like, well, and and the Pac-12 waived the uh, in right. in conference issue too. Right. So you so could... there's yeah yeah I mean like if you go through this year and let's say you know again let's say Daniels has a great year and he moves on hopefully that's the case he has that great year but mm-hmm. you're but the feeling among the coaches is uh, the guys we have there nobody's ready mm-hmm. go get a go get a transfer and it doesn't have to be a senior anymore. That's the other thing. You can go get a sophomore, and they could be able, and you could have your answer for the next two or three years potentially. Yeah. 
you know, it used to feel like, well, if you're okay, you go maybe the one year band aid, like, like Wisconsin did with Russell Wilson. Obviously they were probably the most famous example of like, go get the guy for one year and, you know, figure it out after that. Now, I mean, you know, there's probably, there are kids who signed this year that will be in the portal next year and they'll have four years of eligibility left. So yeah. like, yeah, you know, you don't have to shut the door on anybody. Yeah. One, you, you know, there's going to be someone who enrolls early and it falls apart. Right. Right. So, you know, I'm not as worried about that. I mean, you know, it, the, the offensive line is obviously, yeah, it's pretty veteran this year. You expect, you know, well, you know, you'll lose Deese, you'll lose Haddis. If yeah. West has the year he's supposed to have, I mean, I, you know, interior linemen don't normally go high in the draft, but, you know, could he be a, a day two pick, maybe a day one pick if he has a great year, I suppose. Um, you know, If he's but, just a mauler. Uh, right. You know. Yeah, you know, he could be. I mean, there was there, what uh, the kid from USC went 14th this year. He's a, a guard. Yeah. Um, you and, know, you so, know I mean, and on the are... on the flip side, you know, losing White, you know, yeah. here you still got Trainum and Nada and uh, right. what's the name of the, the kid who ran back uh, the kickoff? DJ Taylor. Yeah. 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 So you you know, and and the receiving core that feels like still a little bit of a question this year because they were so young last year, we didn't we just didn't see much of them. You know, hopefully that becomes a strength. That you know, that's a position group that you'd look at and say, we really shouldn't be losing anybody. Um, maybe I mean, okay, maybe the kid from Utah, I guess yeah, he's a grad Thompson. transfer. Um, you know, but like you look at all the recruiting that we've done over the last three years, especially that class from you know the class that are sophomores or redshirt freshmen this year, with four you know four star guys. You know, you hope that becomes a strength and perhaps again makes you appealing for for a quarterback. If you're looking for one, yeah. um, you know, like, hey, you know, we, we got a pretty good group here. We got, you know, the, the tight end from Oklahoma. We got the tight end from where was he from? Washington or Mississippi State. Right. Yeah, the one the I new, texted you about with the, yeah, with the, the fantastic first name. Yeah. Or Aquarius or something like that. Yeah, that's um, the newest edition. Yeah. You know, so like hopefully there's some good pass catchers there and then you know it's it's that depth of the offensive line i know this kid and i don't know how to pronounce his name yet oya tade that that you know power had in his top 10 which is which is high praise for a guy who probably won't play this year if things go well or not play much yeah um so they obviously are pretty high on him ezra we're just gonna call him ezra ezra for now until we hear his name more yeah yeah Mm -hmm. which hopefully we'll hear it a lot if he's really good yeah. Um. You know, and and but then there's others that's like, okay, uh, you know, when you hear Herm say, hey, now we've got, you know, 19 scholarship guys, and we've got a, a a second group that can be ready to go. Well, then you'll put that into action in 2022, hopefully. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, and then you're at special teams, which who yeah. knows? <laughs> who knows? Who knows? I mean, uh, I think it should be a good thing this year feels like um, well the I punt mean, we game will the, still be good yeah yeah we get we get the you know a guy who turned pro two years ago still with us yeah and talk about another wild career you mentioned yeah. Ethan Long uh you know his his fluctuations uh, you know great year he goes pro he doesn't get drafted like oh, that stinks and then he comes back now he's back again yeah. so that's good um you know we've got options at kicker Obviously, you know, we don't know, but uh, I know Logan Tyler was kicking in the spring game as the number one guy. We got, was it Luckhurst? Was yeah. the guy who took over Jack last Luckhurst, year? Luckhurst, who was doing kickoffs too. Yeah. And then, and then Jay Feely's kid, right? Yeah. The walk on. Um, so, you know, we got some options there, and, and it feels like the, the return game should be pretty good. You know, we certainly have plenty of options there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, you know, that should be a strength, hopefully, at least this year. And, you know, kicker's one of those two. It's sort—I of, mean, it's not exactly, but sort of like quarterback. Like you can go get one. You know, if you, if you don't have a backup on your roster, just go go find one somewhere else. Yeah, I um, I hope that we get to the point where the kicker feels automatic the way Zane did by the sure. end. But sure. I'm also sure. hoping that we are good enough that there's not Going a game a coming touchdowns. down to that. Yeah, where we need yeah. a field goal, score a lot of touchdowns, and and you know win games hopefully by a, a big enough margin. Most of them, at least, yeah, that's that's the hope. Yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, the, the 
the Tyler kid's interesting because he was a punter at Florida State, although he did some kicking, but they had Ricky Aguayo, um, you know, so, and, and he looked, I mean, the, the kicks I saw, I only saw a couple in the spring game, like he, he has a good leg, no doubt about that. Um, so whether it's accurate enough, I guess, is the question, but he, he doesn't lack for leg strength like Zendaya seemed to. Yeah. Yeah, Zendejas was automatic as long as it was 35 yards or less. Yeah, which, you know, was, was fine um, for what he was supposed to be. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, obviously, I think as, as time goes on, you want to improve that, and that's hopefully where we are. Yeah. Um, let's turn now to uh, the final topic, which is ASU basketball. Um, Remy Martin's career at ASU is done done um he went pro we talked about the the doug haller story of well he's just entering the transfer portal to see it could be any number of things don't 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 go crazy he loves bobby hurley bobby hurley's (laughs) his favorite person in the world he there's no coach he'd rather play for than bobby hurley yeah uh and then he committed to kansas yeah and and as I texted you, I said that randomly last week when we talked, and two days later, he, he says he's going there. Like I, I'd love to claim I had some sort of inside sources and be like, well, you know, I, I kind of knew that all along. Yeah. I did not. That was a total pull out of thin air. But, but it works. Yeah, I mean, there you go, I guess. Yeah, yeah. My inside sources were my own mind. Um, and you were you know, not- I, like, it's, it's tough to blame the kid. Yeah. I, I've thought about it, like, Again, like we just talked about with, you know, Bijan and, you know, okay, ASU or Texas or Ohio State. Like, it's tough. And Kansas is one of the true upper echelon, the up the, the upmost echelons, if you want to use that term, of college basketball. Yeah. So if he can play a year there, I don't blame him. Well, he'll, but he'll it, almost certainly go to the tournament. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, go to the tournament with, with probably a chance to make a deep run. I mean, you never know, um, you know, teams get upset and stuff like that. But, you know, what, what we know about Kansas is every year they're they're essentially a top four seed. I mean, it's very rare in the last 20 years is Kansas not somewhere between a one and a four seed. They're mm-hmm. one of the top teams in the Big 12. They have a great home court advantage. They have plenty of talent around him. I mean, he'll have the most talent around him that he's ever had. Yeah. Um, and so I, I can't blame him. The interesting part, you know, and I, I don't know if you saw Haller mention it both in his story and his little, not really tweets, but whatever they post on the athletic, they're like tweets. Um, when he said, you know, okay, if he goes to Kansas, is he still an ASU Hall of Famer? A great, you know, bar room, barbershop debate doesn't really mean anything, but it's still, it still, it, it interested me because I think the answer is yes, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, how does one evaluate that legacy, especially if he goes to Kansas and has, like, great success? Do we do we wrap our arms around that, or does that feel like, hey, that should have been with us, man? Where were you last year? Well, it's it's interesting, right? So for me, you know, the, the immediate comparable in my head to my own fandom is Favre leaving. Sure, um, sure. Now, this is not done with any sort of great acrimony. Uh, it seems, it's not. It True. seems pretty clear that you know, at least publicly, they are going to remain on very good terms with him. Yeah, yeah, which um, helps and makes it more likely that that's where it will end. My, I guess my hope is that we don't play them, and right. then we don't have to see it. <laughs> right, right. And being um, in another conference, obviously, you know, it's less like, I mean, unless we're in the tournaments or whatever. Well, that's what I'm saying. You know, I don't uh, want to be like a, if, I don't want to be like a 13-4... <laughs> Matchup, yeah, 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 a, a, a two ten in the second round or something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that's true. Uh, you know, I, I think, I think the answer is, hey, we still remember that he was really good here. I mean, there were some comparisons I thought of in terms of college, like Jalen Hurts. You know, he, he was at Alabama and then goes to Oklahoma, but that was different because Tua essentially made him expendable. Well, and, yeah, so and the team, like, the other thing was, Hertz spent a year as the backup, like, waiting, and right. and did everything the right way. Right, right. So that that makes it feel like he, he's still an Alabama guy through and through. 
Yeah. Um, you know, I thought of Russell Wilson. Like, okay, and I don't know. I don't. I'm not locked into NC State very well, but I I would venture that most NC State people still think of Russell Wilson very fondly. Um, and and you know and would would welcome him back. I don't know if he's in their school hall of fame, but if there ever was, I don't think there'd be any pushback. That's more toward the coach who, who told him that he you know couldn't play baseball or else it was you know he was going to start somebody else. I think that's where the enmity is. I, you know, I just think I think probably the answer is it doesn't have any bearing on how we remember Remy Martin here, but it's going to be fascinating to see like how how does it go and three, five years from now, what do we look back on? And, you know, like, I thought that was kind of fascinating anyway. We talked about him right after the season. Like, where do we rank him? You know, it's easy to get lost in the moment and say, oh, he's one of the, you know, top five guys of the last 20 years. Like, I don't know. Is he? He's pretty good. But is he that good? Yeah, it becomes a, a, you know, what are you looking for? Yeah. To me? Yeah. I best six man that that we've had yeah i'd say that his freshman year is the six man yeah 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 i mean i would agree and i think you know again i think first of all recency bias always plays in when a guy finishes his career you think you know well we'll we'll never forget him and then two years later you're like oh yeah that guy so that could be the case plus he was very he was very fan friendly Mm -hmm. he was uh you know like obviously not last year but you know, he was the guy who would always go, you know, when we'd win a home game, he'd run the arena and slap, you know, high fives with the students and, you know, that, that kind of stuff, it, it appealed to people. He had a unique name. He had a unique look. Those, those things go a long ways. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't just, uh, you know, Ty Abbott, who was like, oh, yeah, he's a good player, but, you know, did you really ever make an emotional connection with him? Not really, but you, but you did with Remy Martin. I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I, Howler's mentioned that a few times, even before the Kansas thing, and it's just one of those things I've thought, like, I'm not sure what I think. Yeah. To me, it's not Jeff Pendergraft. No. You know, like, Jeff Pendergraft was that guy to our generation of ASU fan, an ASU student, and 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 maybe that's the difference. It's just, like, you and I are a little bit more, I mean, we're still obviously very invested in the program, but we're not there night in and night out. You know, and and so maybe if we were students now, we'd be defending Remy Martin just like you and I defend Jeff Pendergrass. It's possible, you know, but he was our guy. He was the guy that I said, oh, we'll never forget Jeff Pendergrass. And I don't think we have. I think we've been loyal to that word. Yeah, I, I think that there's a question of, you know, did he do enough? You know, they made the tournament. Be a, be a ASU Hall of Famer. Yeah, uh, well, I or, or or I mean, or to enter the Pendergraft conversation, like individually, he he was a preseason All American, and that is like being uh, that's awesome, but yeah, yeah I mean that's yeah. being Kirk Herbstreit's top four uh, right. preseason. <laughs> that, it, right, right. You know, it's it's like saying you know I was the number one quarterback recruit in high school. Okay, what'd you do after that? Like, I yeah. mean, we don't think of a Jimmy Clausen in the same way that we do a Trevor Lawrence. They're both the number one quarterback recruit, but one accomplished a lot and one didn't. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's very true. Like, you know, that I mean, that you say that kind of makes me think, like, who have we put in the ASU Hall of Fame for basketball? I don't – Harden's not in yet, but that's just because he isn't available to, to accept the, the award. Ring of Honor. <laughs> as soon right. as he can you know, accept the award, he's in. When, when his career's over, he will be in. That's an easy one. But Jeff Pendergrass not in, is he? No, I don't think so. And Derek Glasser's not in. Derek Glasser's not in, and I know they. I think they want you to be out ten years. Those guys have been out ten years, just a little over now. Um, you know, so it's you can't you can't say like Bashinsky or Carson or those guys because they haven't been ten years yet. Um, but like, I mean, is, is Remy Martin a Hall of Famer, a ASU Hall of Famer? I want to keep saying that before Trey Holder. I think Trey Holder had a better career. I, and I think Trey Holder was more meaningful to the program. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I, I don't know. I, like I said, I think it's easy to get caught up in the, he was a fan favorite. He, you know, he was he, he had, I mean, like I said, this matters. He had a unique look with his hairstyle. He had a unique name. Um, you know, he was kind of a, a guy who captured people's imagination. But was he really 
so good that he's a school Hall of Famer. I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm not sure. I'm not sold on that. And that's not because he's going to Kansas. Just no. looking at the four years he was here. Well, and it's I think it's partly a question of what do you assess it on? He had good individual numbers, but I don't. Yeah. I, none of these teams, to me, the best team he was Did on was his things. freshman year. Right. And he wasn't. You know, he was the sixth man. That's the right. point. Right. Know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and they they got bounced in the in the play in. You know, the the first four. Then his second year, we we got out of the first four, but we got bounced in the first round. We never won a conference title, or really came very close to winning one. I know we've never won a, a Pac-10 title or Pac-12, but, you know, we, we weren't, like, one minute away from winning one or one game back at the standings or anything like that. Well, and um, tell, me, tell me the team where he was the emotional backbone of the team. And I don't know if that matters, but Zylan Cheatham, Trey Holder. I mean, Holder. I guess you'd probably say his junior year. Yeah. Which was cut short, obviously. And, I mean, and then we didn't it. get to see it. So We didn't get to see how it would have finished. Because he, you know, he was a big part of that run in February when we, you know, he, he made the game winner there against USC. Um, we beat Oregon. We beat Arizona. You know, like we got some impressive wins. We were going to go to the tournament, and we didn't get to see it finish. And so, I mean, that's the, that's the caveat, I guess you could say, like, well, he never did anything in the tournament. Well, maybe he would have. Maybe that was going to be the year. But all you can do is evaluate what did happen. Well, and the other That's piece the, of that, though, I think is it, you can't call the ASU Hall of Fame what you did in the tournament because right. <laughs> you don't have anybody for the last four years. We don't have much. That's, that's a great point. Yeah, you're right. You know, we can't, we can't only look at that, but that, that's a little tiebreaker mm-hmm. if, you're, if you're on the fence and, and it was like, oh, man, remember that first, you know, and I'm not even saying Final Four. We don't have that. But just, you know, remember that first round game where he had, you know, 30 points and we and we beat whoever. Like, okay. You know, you'd say, well, that, that was big. Like like Pendergraft. To me, Pender, not tournament necessarily, but those Arizona games. That mm-hmm. Pend, you know, that one down in Tucson. That's a tiebreaker for me. Like, is Pendergraft's whole career school Hall of Fame? It's, it's probably borderline. But when you have those moments, you think, yes. You know, yes. That, that's the stuff that puts you in. And I don't, I don't know. I mean, he he did have a great game against Kansas his freshman year. He was he was excellent, and big reason we won that game, and and a couple of those games his junior year. But outside of that, do we have a lot of moments? Yeah, All right. I don't know. I don't know. Again, I I do have to admit. I mean, and even more so for you, you don't live in Arizona. I I still do, but I don't go to as many games as I used to. That's my own fault. Um, that that probably colors my perception. You know, with, with Jeff Pendergraft, I saw probably just about every home game he played and and watched a lot of road games on TV. And with the Pac-12 network being what it is and with not working at ASU anymore and not going to as many games, I didn't see as much of Remy Martin night in and night out. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's true. I mean, I was, as you were saying that, I was, I was racking my brain because it's like Jeff Pendergraft, Six nine forward from Etowanda, yeah. California. That's right. That's right. And, yeah. and for yeah, yeah. Martin, I was like, he went to. He's from Chatsworth. Is that yeah, it? I don't know. Ch- that's a. I don't know. You know, and I but I think you. it's because I went to all those games. Right. And I know that, that he's the, the last guy announced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he was he was the heart and soul from basically his sophomore year on. Um, you know, even with James Harden, as good as he was, Harden's the best player. Pendergraph was the soul. Mm-hmm. And and uh, you know again yeah we went to almost every game, um, and and you know saw him play and again back then we were you know if we were on the road most of those games were on Fox Sports Arizona or whatever and we could watch them so that makes a difference too mm-hmm. yeah you know, I was much more exposed I probably saw Jeff Pendergraft either in person or on TV play ninety games and and that's nowhere close for Emmy Martin yeah and I think that. I think that matters a great deal. It, it does, you know. So again, probably a you know the 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 equivalent. Not that anybody can really be our equivalent, but the equivalent of Matt and Ben graduating in twenty twenty one might defend Remy Martin like we defend Jeff Pendergraft. It's very possible. I yeah, that's true. That's a good point. 
I mean, who knows? I mean, you know, you're you're always probably more inclined to defend your guy, and Pendergraft was kind of our guy. Right time, right place. Stuck with the programs through a coaching change and through a terrible season in their in the first year under Herb, and got to see the rewards of that in his junior and senior years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess you could support that argument. I I just yeah I I don't feel the connection with him. I think that I don't it, raw numbers and a couple first team All Pack twelves. Yeah, he probably yeah. deserves it. I, yeah, I guess, probably. You know? And 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 if he does, I mean, let's say this: if at twenty thirty five or whatever, he's getting inducted into the Hall of Fame, I'm not going to be like, oh, this is ridiculous. We've just ruined the ASU Hall of Fame by putting him in. No, no. I mean, it's you know, he's he's had a very solid career here. Very good. He's uh, an important piece of the puzzle for four years. Uh, but yeah, if he doesn't get in, I I won't be pounding the table like this is an injustice that Remy Martin is not in the ASU Hall of Fame. Like, eh. I mean, you know, uh, really, if I'm being you know totally serious and and no emotional bias, you know, from 2004 on, I think there's probably only one guy that's an absolute cinch. He needs to be in the ASU Hall of Fame, and that's James Hart. Yeah, and the rest are. You know, okay, Derek Glasser, Jeff Pendergraft. You can make good arguments, Jordan Bashinsky. Yeah, I mean, I think Holder. it becomes a question of where where are you comfortable drawing that line? Drawing the line, yeah. You know, yeah. Do, do you think Bashinsky gets in? Should Jahi Carson get in? Yeah, uh, you I know? don't think so. I would say no on Carson. I would say maybe on Bashinsky. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, I'd, I'd go Pendergraft and Glasser ahead of them both. Um. I'd probably go Trey Holder ahead of them both. Yeah. I mean, Bashinsky got a lot better, and I think he's the school all-time leader in blocks or something, I mean, which yeah, is good. Yeah, and he triple-doubled on blocks. Right. You know, I mean, like, he, he certainly improved, but, you know, uh, and Carson was only here two years. I, I don't I don't know. And they weren't, they weren't two years like James Harden's two years. So I don't, I don't know. Uh, I mean, it's a tough one. I mean, and again, this is all one of those, like, it doesn't really amount to a hill of beans, uh, you know, like it's just our opinion and, and, you know, it's, it's a fun conversation to have. There's no actual meaning to it, but I don't know. I, well, I mean, it's also a question, of, you know, like from an ASU perspective, just, just let everyone in. Like who cares? Exactly. I mean, you, you still want it to mean something, you know, I, I would say at least maybe I don't, I think that's what you're saying. Yeah. Like you, you still want it to feel like, okay, this guy's an ASU Hall of Famer. Granted, is that going to Springfield and being in the pro bat or the basketball Hall of Fame? No, I know that. But you know, it should mean something. You should it should be reserved for the best of the best. Yeah. And this, I'm going to open maybe a can of worms that maybe we should save for a summertime discussion. But what about the football guys from 2004 on? How many are ASU Hall of Famers? Maybe we save that. We put a yeah. pin in that. But that's that's a, a Pandora's box, maybe in a way. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, my immediate reaction is, you know, starting to go chronologically from when we showed up on campus. Walter yeah. in, Zach Miller yeah. in, uh, Taylor Kelly. Which I think Walter is in, right? Yeah. Did he get in? Yeah. So that, like, and that's fine. I, I go along with that. You know, it's like, but there's a lot of good players. You know, I mean, I can think of. 20 guys that are like, yeah, they were good, but are they ASU Hall of Fame? I mean, it's Mike Nixon. Let's throw his name in there. I don't, I don't, I don't think, so. think so. A good player, but I don't think so. Um, I think Will know, Sutton and Carl Bradford both I are ahead Will of him. Sutton. Yeah, Will Sutton makes sense. Bradford, probably. Um, again, this is, this is probably one we should like actually think about. At least yeah. I'll say that for myself. Like, uh, you know, we we can save this for a June discussion when there's not much going on. Yeah. Let's yeah. Let's, let's leave it there. We've been going for almost an hour, I think. Let's uh, we'll we'll save that. Put a pin in it. Yeah. But back to back to basketball. Uh, ASU did sign one more recruit. Yeah. Um. I he it was uh, Alonzo Gaffney's his name. 
He appears to be talented. He was at Ohio State, then went the JUCO route. We uh, hope so, yes. yes. 6'9", another big guy who's immediately yeah. eligible to play. So Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the one thing you could say for next year's group, in addition to it's a total makeover from last year, is it should not, you know, we should not hear, well, boy, they just don't have enough size. Yeah. Or they're they're tremendously undersized, or any of that. Like, you know, we've we've stacked guys who are you know six eight and up. So we didn't have very many of it all last year. So will that? You know, I don't know if that's going to result in more wins or more success, but it shouldn't be the reason for failure. Mm-hmm. Which it probably was a not the biggest reason, but a big reason why we failed last year. Yeah, I think that's um, you know. We're we're razel and skiing it. We've identified the problem. We we're trying to wash <laughs> we it out. We certainly are. We we have identified the problem, and we'll see how we have done it washing it out. We'll we'll find that out from November through March next year. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll be back. Try to be a little more regular with our Thursday recordings. But yep. Uh, yep. until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It, it's really not the Unwritten Rules podcast. It's the Ben and Matt Sports Guy. <laughs>